as every week. We are praying for Ghana this week. Uh, so avert your attention to the projector. To me, ye onyankopon dear. Asafo yehua. Odumankuma nyankopon. To me, ye onyankopon dear. To me, ye onyankopon dear. To me, ye Father, we thank you. We honor you. We lift your name higher, the creator of heaven and earth. There's nothing that was created that was not created through you. So we give you glory and we thank you for Ghana because that's yours, Lord. Everything belongs to you. We thank you for a beautiful nation with beautiful people, friendly people, hospitable people. Everybody talks about how warm they feel when they come to Ghana. We give you praise. That anyone from any country is welcome. In Ghana, we give you praise that you bless the nation with, with beautiful vegetation, fertile land that we can grow all that we need. Thank you for the ocean, thank you for the rivers, thank you. There's abundance of everything. We give you praise that you put in the ground gold. There's so much gold that Ghana used to be called Gold Coast. Thank you for the diamonds, for the magnesium and copper and all the other minerals. There are so many. Thank you for the cocoa that does so well in Ghana and the timber and so many other things that blesses the nation we just give you praise we thank you also for the peace that we've enjoyed relative peace over the years we thank you that Ghana has become an example in in Africa Lord of smooth transitions and we pray that that will continue that there will be relative peace so that your gospel will continue to, to excel your gospel will penetrate every area we lift up the church, Lord. There's still unrich people groups, 21 rich people groups still in Ghana, despite the gospel being in Ghana for many years. So we pray that the unrich people groups will be rich, Lord. We, we lift up every unrich people group. We pray that the church will be a mighty force. The church will not be inward looking, Lord. I pray for the church. The church is doing well, and there are many good things happening in the church, but there's still more than the church can do, Lord, because we received many gifts of their lives so that the gospel can be preached in Ghana. And now it's our time to take the gospel to our own people throughout North Ghana and to take the gospel beyond West Africa to North Africa to Asia, the Middle East. It's our time. We have to wake up. I pray that you wake up the church, Lord, that the gospel will go. Send revival, revival that will touch every area, Lord. Revival that will break barriers, cultural barriers, tribal barriers, stop tribal wars. Revival that will stop corruption. Corruption has become a major menace, Lord. So much wealth, but so much poverty. So much poverty, so much that there are areas without basic amenities like water. Oh, it breaks our heart that so many villages in Ghana have no water. Water is life. How can they live without water? We pray we have so much that every area can have what they need. We pray, break the hold of the enemy, idolatry, and false worship, false religion. All those things that enemy sense to destroy nature. We break his hold in the name of Jesus. We pray that your name will be glorified. That the church will be strong. That the church will be disciple. There's so much syncretism. There's so much nominalism. But we pray that the church will have true discipleship. Obedience-based discipleship. That will do your will. And you raise a new level of leadership in the church, in government, in every sphere. 
there will be transformation. Leaders who are selfless, leaders who sacrifice, leaders who are honest and transparent and have integrity. We pray for that kind of leader in every area of society. We pray that you do that, Lord. And we thank you that your name will be glorified. That everywhere we go, we shall lift up the name of Jesus. Ghana is known as a black star, shining star Africa, the black star of Africa that will shine not just for ourselves, not for pride's sake, but for the name of Jesus to be lifted up. We give you praise that we'll be missionaries and ambassadors, and your name will be taken to the nations. We thank you for Ghana in Jesus' name. Amen. guys can feel free to remain seated, uh, but join me in praying over Ghana. Father, uh, we just want to bring Ghana before you today. Uh, We thank you for this country, and we thank you for the people in the country. Uh, We pray that the Ghanaian church would develop a mission vision for outreach in the villages of the north and beyond. We pray that those who claim to be Christians but don't have an authentic faith would be transformed by the power of the gospel. We pray that the the current rapid spread of Islam in Ghana would be thwarted in Jesus' name. We pray for Apostle John Boateng, that you would give him supernatural, supernatural revelation, wisdom, and discernment as he leads the Bible College and the network of churches. Uh, we pray for his household as well, Lord for protection and the assignments of the enemy, that they would be null and void in Jesus' name. Uh, Father, we ask that you would provide water uh, to those people in the different parts of the country where they need it. Uh, We pray for their president, Nana Akufuado. Give him wisdom to continue leading the country peacefully. And also for all of the government leaders underneath the president, give them just give them wisdom and allow them to uh, to just be faithful in their service and that they would have the good of the people in mind. We pray for unity uh, among the ecclesia and that they would see Jesus as they love one another. Uh, we pray that, that your gospel, Lord, would penetrate every sphere of society and that holiness and righteousness would prevail throughout the country. Uh, we command that all corruption would stop in Jesus' mighty and powerful name. We declare that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. In your name, Lord, we say these things today. Amen. All right, so Tanner gave some trivia. I have trivia today. Today is Paladrome Day. Does anyone know what that means? You guys know what it means? Right, it's 020220. So, 2020. So, whichever way you read it, forward or backward, it's the same. So, it's a palindrome. Am I saying that right, honey? A palindrome day. So, I'm declaring your coming and your goings today will be blessed. Either way, coming and going. So, I just think that's pretty cool. So um, welcome to Good Shepherd. We're so excited that you're here this morning. And uh, here at Good Shepherd, we just believe that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to each one of us individually and corporately. 
And sometimes when he speaks individually to us, it's for us as a corporate body. So we want to hear what, what the Lord is saying today. So if you have a, a prophetic word, a picture, a song, a testimony this morning, we would really love to hear that. So um, please come to myself, Alan and Rebecca, uh, Paul and, and Carla is back there. Just come share with us, and we would love to hear the testimonies of what God's doing. And um, we have just been seeing the increase of the of the Spirit of God in healing. So we would just really um, encourage you, if you need healing, the, the, the prayer team has been praying all week. Go back. We'll pray in agreement for that. Also here in the front, there's been this river of, of just life that's been flowing here. So just come forward, kneel, pray dance, worship. There's freedom in the house this morning. So um, we're just so thankful for what what God has been doing amongst us. So bless you guys. Bless the uh, worship team this morning. We're ready to flow in the river of worship. All right, I invite you guys to stand up as we worship.
This week, I had a dream. In this dream, I was in a room, and there was a table, and on the table was, um, I don't think it matters who was on the table. It wasn't anybody I knew, but I don't think a description matters. And somebody was standing at the head of this table, and she was about ready to do uh, surgery. And I was going to assist in the surgery. You think it's scary to give me a mic. You should see what I did with the scalpel. <laughs> and as she was going to do the surgery, I asked her a question. I don't remember what I asked, but she replied to me. And when she replied, I knew that I was talking to an angel, not a doctor. And she opened up the brain, and I peeked into the brain as though I would know anything of what I was looking at. And I asked, why don't you fix that? And she said, with all confidence, my area of authority is to rewire neurological pathways that is not my authority. Your job is to hold up the chin. And I became keenly aware that somewhere in my brain, my little brain, I thought that I had some kind of authority that was actually hers. And my job was to hold up the chin. I believe two things. I believe that God is releasing Miracles for brains to be healed, neurological pathways to be rewired. I also believe that He is working in our minds to rewire our brains because somewhere as a church we came to believe. That salvation is easy, but healing is difficult. It was by his stripes we're healed, but he had to die for our sins. Healing should come easy. Salvation was the greatest price. But we've confused the two. So I think he wants to rewire our brains so that we don't approach healing as though it takes some kind of death, life on the line. It took him being flogged and beaten, and it was a horrible, horrible, horrible price to be paid that we can be healed, but he paid it same as he paid for our salvation. And I don't pretend to have answers I still have the flu of why we don't get healed like that all the time. I don't even pretend, but I know that he is God. He is healer. It's his name. His name is healer. And I declare it over this congregation, and I declare it over this region, and I declare it. In Jesus' name, Lord, that we would see that release of your name as healer. And that our brains would be rewired 
Lord God, that you would reset the neurological pathways that have been diverted from the truth. Lord, that we would come into alignment with truth. And Lord, we would know our job. Our job is to hold up the chin so that the eyes go to heaven. Lord, that all glory would be yours. I want to invite you today. If you know someone or yourself who needs healing literally in your brain, that the neurological pathways need to be restored or reset, I want to invite you to get prayer for healing. I also want to invite you, and I know this is a vulnerable one, but if you struggle with the idea of God healing you or God healing somebody, especially if you struggle with the idea that God's going to heal somebody through you, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. God wants to heal people and he wants to use us to touch them and lift their head to heaven. And if you struggle with the idea that God's going to use you, he wants to rewire your brain to align with heavenly truth that he's going to do it and he's going to do it through you. this morning and I just want to take a minute to pray as a congregation God wants to do something new and you know the enemy can press in hard but he is a defeated foe and we can stand together as a congregation we are more powerful together than if we go at this individually. The anointing on us corporately is stronger. The anointing on the corporate church in this region is stronger. The more we come together and we move in this together, the more powerful it is. But we got to get rid of the stuff where where we need rewired, where we're thinking is off. And so, Lord, I pray, I pray for healing, Lord God. I pray for the minds. I pray for the brains, Lord God. I pray for that neurological rewiring, Lord. We just lift our hands up to heaven, Lord God. And I ask even in myself, I ask in this congregation, Lord, any place where I struggle, Lord God, where I don't see how you're going to heal, where I don't see how you're going to move next, Lord God, that you would rewire my thinking to come into alignment with your truth. Lord God, the lies are not the truth. Lord, that I wouldn't find myself thinking on the lies, but I would find myself declaring the truth. Lord God, believing your word, believing your truth. Lord, we ask for the miraculous to come. Lord God, we ask for the rewiring of neurological pathways where there's been things from birth or things from exposure or life that has reset in our mind, 
new neurological pathways that were not the way you created us or you designed us to be through medications or, or anything, Lord God. We ask that you would heal miraculously and there would be a release now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's continue to worship him and just seek him on this. Seek him on this. And if he brings anybody to mind, I want to encourage you to you come back to the prayer team or just come up here in the river and just bring that person in the river figuratively or physically in prayer and worship.
worshiping. Trima uh, has, uh, has a word. It's a prophetic word, right? Ryan had a prophetic word last week. And, uh, I think he was surprised we called it that. The word of prophecy is flowing here. Just because you've never felt like you've had a prophetic word, you just think you have some insight. Just It's okay. You just need to share it. It's okay to release it see what God is saying through uh, those, that insight or whatever it is you want to call it. Uh, but if you have a prophetic word, I'd like you to share. When Carla was sharing, um, Hi. I thought that she kept looking at me, number one, and the tears started flowing. And I felt like she was talking about um, brains that have been chemically changed from uh, fetal alcohol or drugs um, in utero and just how God can rewire our brains neurologically. My forehead, my forehead was hurting while she was sharing that the tears were coming. Okay. Um, it's just want to specifically pray for people whose brains have been affected by trauma of any kind, the, um, whether it was, like Treva said, whether it was loss, um, chemical abuse, neglect, any of those kinds of things. We have, um, we know, scientists know that those kinds of things change the way our brains work, and we just want to declare healing over those brains. So, Jesus, we just declare today healing in your mighty name and through the power of your blood. We declare healing over every brain that has been affected by trauma, loss, grief, abuse of any kind, neglect. We just declare healing over those brains today. We thank you, Jesus, that you have created us with the mind of Christ, that you have given us the mind of Christ, that you have given us a sound mind, and you have not given us a spirit of fear or injury. And we just declare again in the name of Jesus that every brain affected by trauma or abuse or grief or loss would be healed in the name of Jesus. We declare healing over every part of the brain that has been damaged. And we declare a soundness of mind. We thank you, Jesus, that you can rewire our brains. And we look to you as the one who will bring that healing in the name of Jesus. Some of you as adults recognize that that's something that you still struggle with. And if you would like prayer, don't hold back. I'm just going back here where the prayer team is. Just ask for prayer. It's not something that just goes away. And you've been suffering with it long enough. If you want prayer for your children, uh, don't, don't need to take your children back. Just go by yourself and ask for prayer uh, back with the uh, uh, prayer team as well. Let's continue to worship. Can I just add to that? That when, when Jesus died on the cross, he said it is finished. God doesn't need to do anything else. It's our perception. It's our thinking that affects how we see what he did. He said it's done. It's finished. 
He doesn't need to do anything else for us to be healed. He doesn't need to do anything else for us to live in all that he has for us. It's what's in our heads. It's what's in our thinking and our perception. That's what, that's what messes with how we, how we live, how we experience life. What he did is done. It's what he needs to, what needs to be done in our heads, in our thinking, in our perception that needs to be healed to see the fullness of it.
to pour into our lives, into our hearts, into our minds, your healing, your truth, your love. We pray that you would teach us to know you, to think like you, to feel like you, and to perceive like you, so that we can experience and we can live in the fullness of your salvation, your love, and, and that we can be a representation of your kingdom here on earth. Pray that you would bless the rest of our, our morning. Pray that you would bless our tithes and offerings as we give from the blessings that you have poured out on us. Pray that we, you would multiply what we give and use it to glorify your name here in this region and around the world and the places where we have connections. Pray your blessing in Jesus' name. ushers come to collect the offering and, and um, continue to worship. We have some announcements coming up. Where's Nate? We have a
event coming up this weekend. Good morning. So this is the uh, last announcement for the event that's coming up next Saturday. Uh, we're going to be doing uh, some snow tubing together as a church family, so hopefully you guys are excited about that. Um, there are There is availability to purchase your tickets at the door uh, if you guys haven't already purchased your tickets to get the discount that was available last month. Um, you can purchase them at the door. Um, also, there's just a place to hang out, so if you guys don't want to do snow tubing and just want to hang out, uh, you can do that. We're going to be there at 1 o'clock, but it's at Iron Valley Snow Tubing in Lebanon is where we're going to meet and uh, just have a great event there. And as far as I know, Pastor uh, John uh, from Ghana is going to be there. So if you guys just want to come and watch, uh, yeah, you got yeah, just watch how uh, adventurous he's going to be and Pastor Alan. Um, we would like to see what uh, see what they put on for us. So, all right, thanks. Hope you guys can make it. All right, thank you. Sounds like um, maybe a participation event and also uh, some entertainment. Wow, yeah, if the weather is not any colder this week, it might be a water slide. Alan? Yesterday afternoon at 5 o'clock, we had healing prayer here in, uh, at Good Shepherd in the multipurpose room. And I'd like to invite anybody who's sick to come for prayer. It gives us a chance to spend a little bit more time praying for individuals. Uh, we had a good group uh, there praying. We also had a number of people that came for, for healing. Uh, and I um, encourage you to come um, and take the time for just, just to receive the healing that God is pouring out in this place. If you want to pray for healing, come join us. And you can join in helping to pray for healing. If you've never prayed for healing and want to learn how, it's a good chance to do that. Because you can sort of sit uh, uh, back a little bit and, and watch. And, and uh, when God prods you, or I do, uh, <clears throat> jump in. <laughs> well, uh, some, sometimes it's both. Uh, uh, jump in and help to pray for healing. We saw some... Uh, some movement toward healing last evening, and that was uh, pretty exciting. The um, Linker Sanchez uh, is joining in with us. His group is joining in with us. Uh, for those who don't know, he comes from uh, a healing movement in Mexico City, and he felt, uh, it was one of the things he said last evening, was that it was the first time in years that he's felt what he normally feels uh, physically when healing is happening. And so there's a release of healing that's going on, and I want to really encourage you to Join in and be part of that. Um, talking about healing, we have a healing burn coming up April 20, uh, 20 what? 20, 24 to 25, 6 p.m. to 6 p.m., Friday to Saturday. Uh, put that in your calendars. Uh, it's a multi-site healing burn. So far, we have four uh, places that will be having a, a healing burn going on for that 24-hour period. Good Shepherd, Harvest Fellowship, Reamstown Church of God and at the Lighthouse in Denver. Uh, we're hoping to have a couple more join us. But this is a prophetic act uh, of a vision that Gene Weaver, pastor at Harvest, had 40 years ago in April. And so on the 40th anniversary, after 40 years of 
desert time of healing in this region, we want to declare with a prophetic act that that vision not only is true, but we want to release it into the region by having multiple places where people can go and receive healing. Uh, you might recall that uh, I made an announcement about giving for the burns that we're having, and I forgot to mention how. Or, and if you want to write a check, uh, make it out to Good Shepherd, write burn on the memo line. You can also go online. If you give, do giving online, you can go online, and there's a spot there where you can click on and give that way as well. Uh, we want to make sure we invest in this. It's, we don't have budget for it, but we're going to do it anyway because we feel this is where God is calling us as a church, a, 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 a pretty uh, important um, uh, focus, the burns, the healing burn, the prophetic burn that we had and other burns that are coming as we move forward. Thank you, Alan. So healing continues to be a theme, huh? Okay, coming up this week, we have a bunch of stuff, so I'm going to try to keep moving quickly. Today, Bible quizzing will be at 2 o'clock, so that you have the rest of the day after quizzing for something else, and um, that's at Rockville Mennonite Church down Honeybrook. Tomorrow, regional prayer will be at Reamstown Church of God, that's at 7 Wednesday is youth group here at 7. Thursday is quiz practice here at 6.50. Saturday is snow tubing that Nate talked about at 1 o'clock. Saturday evening is prayer and Glacia Buen Pastor. Next week, John Kayima will be here from Uganda to preach. And um, maybe you'll meet him, meet him on Saturday before that. And then we have coming up in April, tabletop groups will be coming up on Wednesday evenings in April, so we can start to look forward to that evening time. All right, another quick announcement. We're going to be uh, tearing the river apart, so we have plenty of material. If each person would want to take a piece today at the end of the service, we're going to take it apart, and you guys are all welcome to have a piece, and we have plenty, so each child can have one. You don't have to take one per family. Each one can have one, and it's just a, it's a reminder. It's a physical reminder. This thing has been soaking in worship, um, so it's a physical reminder. You take it home, put it someplace. It reminds you of God's promises of his healing, and so, yeah, it's, it's just it's, a, it's kind of a symbol. Um, we did not forget January's birthdays. Uh, I know it's February, but if you had a birthday in January, I would like you to stand. And I have a special person that has a January birthday. So I think this year we are just going to, we're going to start the year off with a blessing. I would like, to, I think we're going to, with each month, we're going to have a blessing. And this is a blessing we want to proclaim over the January's birthdays. We're going to Psalms 103, and we're going to declare over you, with my whole heart, with my whole life, and with my innermost being, I bow in wonder and love before you, the holy God. And this is what we're declaring. Yahweh, you are my sole celebration. How could I ever forget the miracles of kindness you've done for me? You've kissed my heart with forgiveness in spite of all I've done. You've healed me inside and out from every disease. You rescued me from hell and saved my life. You crowned me with love and mercy. 
You satisfy my every desire with good things. You supercharge my life so that I soar again like a flying eagle in the sky. (laughs) So we are going to now, we're just going to sing and bless all the January birthdays. Wow, that's a beautiful group. So happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, January birthdays. Happy birthday to you. And with that, we can uh, dismiss the children to impact. Walking. So I'd like to invite you all to find your places and... Uh, Get started here with last week's sermon. Those who are quizzing, uh, sorry about that. Consider this review material. So what does it take to restore broken relationships? I think all of us have relationships that are not what they should be, relationships that have been broken, relationships that, as we think about them, have no way to be redeemed. Now, there's a difference between a broken relationship and a relationship that has changed because, let's say, someone has moved or circumstances of life have changed the interaction that you have with that person and you just don't have that same connection anymore. We're talking about relationships that have been broken, that have been changed Forever. We're talking about the relationship that Joseph had with his brothers. If there's a relationship in the Bible that was broken beyond repair, that's one. And yet as we read through the story, starting in uh, Genesis 42, 43, 44, 45, we see that it's a relationship that was restored. Uh, and, And as we breeze through those chapters, we get this idea that Joseph had... uh, uh, was sold into slavery, and and uh, he trotted off happily to Egypt to be a good slave. And there were some tough things that happened. And while uh, after a while, he rose to great power, and his brothers came, and, and the relationship was restored. That's sort of the, 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 the uh, happy, happy uh, way of telling that story. That's not what the Bible says. Uh, it's one, this is not one of those... Forgive and go make amends sermons because these relationships do not, aren't restored that easily in that way. You see, when we talk about forgiving and making amends, we're not talking about restoring a relationship. What we're talking about is being set free from the bondage that that broken relationship has you in. And that's different from a restored relationship. Uh, What's the difference between... um, between a relationship that has just drifted off and become different from a relationship that has been broken. Here's something to think about. How much pain do you feel when you think about that person? If it's somebody that you think about and and it's like, oh, yeah, that's a person that I knew and that's a person that we were great friends and that's a person and and it's okay, you don't feel any pain, it's likely a relationship that just drifted apart. But if, 
you think about that person, if you name that person, if that person comes up in a conversation, if you meet that person face to face and you feel pain, even thinking about meeting up with that person cause you some panic. You know you have a broken relationship that if there's anything in the Bible that would help you understand this, it would be Joseph and his brothers. You see, God is in the restoration business and even the most broken of all relationships are relationships that God can restore. I'm not promising you that I'm going to give you three steps to restore relationships. The reality is that when it comes to restoring relationships, it's not just you and God in the mix. It's you and the other person and how the other person is reacting, how the other person receives it, how the other person feels. It makes a lot of difference. It makes all the difference as well. But this morning we can learn some things from Joseph and his brothers and how uh, how things fell apart and how the relationship was broken and how God was able to restore that. Remember Joseph? He was the bratty little brother. Uh, he was his father's favorite. Uh, he had dreams of grandeur. He was going to be the one that all his family bowed down to. He had these dreams, literal dreams, that, 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 that showed him how his brothers and his father would bow down to him. And, uh, and he didn't mind sharing those. That's what bratty little brothers do. And so as they were growing up, there was a rift between Joseph and his half-brothers, the ten that uh, they were twelve brothers. He and Joseph and, and Benjamin were uh, the sons of the same mother and father, the other ten the same father and a different mother. And so the ten of them were half-brothers with Joseph. And Joseph being the favorite of uh, and, and, and Joseph having these dreams of grandeur and Joseph uh, getting out of the work when it was time for chores. Everyone had to do their part except Joseph. And you know, you know how that goes. And after a while, it builds up resentment. And the brothers were having enough of it. They, 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 uh, the relationship just eroded. They were done with Joseph. Uh, and so they decided to get rid of him. Um, they thought about killing him, but decided to sell him into slavery and pretend as though Joseph had been killed, put blood on his coat of many colors, take that back to their dad and say, look what we found. He must have been killed and be rid of him. Well, the brothers, after they did that, it meant keeping a secret, all ten of them. Even Judah, who had not been totally uh, in on the steps. He'd been the one to rescue Joseph from being thrown into the pit and left there to die of, of, uh, of uh, starvation and, and uh, uh, of, of um, thirst. He um, wasn't there when Joseph was sold into slavery. Even Judah was part of the secret. Because the only way that they would be able to go back home, the only way they would be able to continue life in the way that they had become accustomed to, the only way they would be able to 
move ahead with everybody else around them having these ideas of uh, you know the uh, not knowing what was what had really happened to Joseph knowing that if it, the secret ever got out they would all be in trouble and who knew what their dad would do was to keep the secret and for so for years the 10 brothers had this secret a secret that bonded them yes but a secret that also stirred all kinds of feelings among them because they each had their thoughts about what had really happened and what they should have done or how it was affecting them. When relationships are broken, they're always secrets. They're always secrets. And people try to move on. And as they try to move on, the only way they can find to move on is to keep secrets and to rally with others who are keeping the same secret. So remember that as we move into this story. The problem with keeping these secrets is that it keeps everything vivid in their minds. They, were, they would look at each other. The name of Joseph would come up. Something related to Joseph would come up. They'd look at each other, and nobody would have to say a word, but all of these memories would come flooding back. That's the nature of keeping secrets in broken relationships. I read this story and I wonder things like, where do you think Jacob would have kept Joseph's blood-soaked favorite son who was killed by wild animals no heirs my guess is that would have had a privileged spot where he spent most of his time so every time the brothers would come in talk to their dad to Jacob there's the coat every time they turn around there's the coat Every time they gather for anything related to the family, there's the coat and the secret envelops them. They can't get away from it. A constant reminder to the brothers, but Joseph also had constant reminders every day he spent in slavery. Every day that something would happen in Potiphar's house, in prison, wherever else he ended up during that, that, that sojourn until the relationships were restored. Everything that wasn't like it had been was a reminder of what he had lost. And the story becomes so vivid. Becomes imprinted in your mind in ways that go well beyond what actually happened. It expands, it grows, it gets worse than what it really was. Not that you can get much worse than what happened to Joseph. As we saw last, uh, two weeks ago, Joseph's gift to interpret dreams caused him to be taken out of prison, set in the second highest place in Egypt. He was put in charge of, of, of 
getting uh, gathering the grain, gathering a portion of the grain, a large portion of the grain. He was sitting on the largest portion of wealth in Egypt. Anything Joseph said would be done instantly without asking. It would have been a second thought. Those people around him would have run to do what he said if Joseph would have wanted to see his brothers. Just a word. And they'd have been brought. If he'd have wanted to see his father, it wouldn't have taken more than just a word. And, and, and there'd have been people in chariots going to get him. Right? We, we have to understand this. It wasn't that Joseph couldn't. But when famine hit, Joseph and the government of Egypt were ready to provide the grain that was needed to their citizens and to the countries around them. And people began coming from other countries because they were hungry. And the famine was ruining life and Joseph's family was no different and so we begin in Genesis chapter 42 verse 1 the first thing about broken relationships we need to remember is that a broken relationship casts a shadow over everything it becomes our filter It becomes our filter for whatever we do that's related to anything remotely associated with that broken relationship. And we read here in verse 1, when Jacob learned that there was grain for sale in Egypt, he said to his sons, "Uh, why do you look at one another? In other words, Jacob said, hey, guys, sons, there's, there's food in Egypt. Now, they had no idea that Joseph was in charge of anything. They had no idea whether Joseph was alive or not. All they had was that secret about Joseph being sold into Egypt and only by just just, just mentioning Egypt. Just mentioning, mentioning Egypt, the ten brothers started looking at each other. Like, they knew. It stirred that up inside of them. And Jacob's like, what, what, what's up? Why, why are you? It was so obvious. Jacob was wondering, what's going on? Why are you guys acting so awkward? Why are you guys acting like that? What, what's, what's, what's the secret? But these broken relationships cast shadows over everything. Places. Memories. A comfort with doing certain things. Then we continue in this chapter. We see that God permits circumstances to open the door to possible restoration. Now, this isn't that God is, this isn't a guarantee of restoration. It's just God changes circumstances to permit the possibility. Verse 2 says, and he said, Behold, I have heard there is grain for sale in Egypt. Go down and buy grain for us there that we may live and not die. And I imagine that ten sons were looking at each other and like, are we all going to go down to Egypt? Who wants to go to Egypt? We just don't want anything to do with Egypt. We're done with Egypt. We want to stay away from Egypt. We don't want to hear the word Egypt. So ten of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt, his half-brothers, 
But Jacob did not send Benjamin, Joseph's full brother, with his brothers. For he feared that harm might happen to him. Thus the sons of Israel came to buy among the others who came. For the famine was in the land of Canaan. Now Joseph was governor over the land. He was the one who sold all to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed themselves before him with their faces to the ground. Jacob was thinking about his family's survival. That's what he had, that we may live and not die. That's all that Egypt represented to him. Egypt had food. We don't. Let's go there and buy food. We've got stuff we can trade. We have been, we're a wealthy family. Why are we suffering hunger here when we've got all this stuff that we could use to buy food in Egypt? This is ridiculous. Guys, sons, just go and get some. And if you read between the lines, it's almost like Jacob is, 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 is telling his sons, why haven't you guys done this already? How dumb can you be? You've got all this wealth and we're dying of hunger. Why can't you just go down to Egypt and buy some food? Secrets suddenly make things that should be easy impossible. It's a shadow, a shadow that's cast over over everybody. Broken relationships cause us to act out of character as well. There are many motivations, but as we drop down here to verse 21, um, we read something. That, that helps to, to bring back uh, some, help us understand this passage we're walk, walking through here in verses 7 and 8. Then they said to one another, In truth, we're guilty concerning our brother, in that we saw his, the distress of his soul when he begged us and we did not listen. That is why his distress has come upon us. You see, there's a deep pain inside the brothers. It's not like they just went home and could forget things. You've got to understand what they had done and the picture that was engraved on their minds, a picture that they carried inside of them, the, 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 the pain in, in their soul. It's one thing to throw their little brother into the pit and still be there camping out. But when they sold him into slavery, when they received the money for, for, for their brother, when they began to take Joseph down the road, the Bible says that he begged them, a teenager. Being, I don't know how they took him, if he was walking, if he was being dragged, if they strapped him to a camel, what they did, but as he was going you can just imagine, just the picture is very, this very simple picture of their little brother, teenage brother, being hauled off into slavery, and he's crying out, Dan, why are you doing this to me? Reuben, help me. Help me. And he's begging, and he's begging, and he's begging, and his voice becomes fainter and fainter and fainter until they don't hear it. Anymore. That's the memory. And it doesn't matter how badly they hated him. That did something to their souls. That did something to how they felt. There was pain 
deep down in there. Joseph had that pain too. Because what we don't read was between the lines every step that Joseph took. He had to overcome something. He had to overcome something. He had to overcome something. And that something that he had to overcome, the biggest thing he had to overcome was being dragged away from his home, dragged away from his family, knowing that his brothers not only sold him into slavery, but did not do a thing to help him. Why would he want to connect with them again? Why didn't he send someone a messenger to let his father and brothers know he was alive. The pain that he carried. And so we see in verses 7 and 8 that the pain that's buried deep inside of us help, causes us to act out of character. And watch how the interaction between Joseph and his brothers. Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them, but he treated them like strangers and spoke roughly to them. Where do you come from, he said. They said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. He knew who they were and didn't want anything to do with them. You understand that? When a relationship has been broken in that way, when, when the pain is that deep, you don't want inter, inter, any interaction with those persons that have hurt you so badly. And so the pain that's buried deep inside causes us to act out of character. It causes us to change the way we talk with them. That's not the way we normally are. What we say is, 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 is changed. We, we say things differently because of that pain. And Joseph, verse 9, remembered the dreams that he had dreamed of them. And he said to them, you are spies. You have come to see the nakedness of the land. They said to him, no, my Lord, your servants have come to buy food. We are all sons of one man. We are honest men. Your servants have never been spies. He said to them, no, it is the nakedness of the land that you have come to see. And they said, we, your servants, are 12 brothers. The sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And behold, the youngest is this day with our father, and one is no more. That was Joseph. knew that they had recognized something. They were carrying something. If he would have wanted that restoration, it would have been an easy moment to declare himself, I'm your brother. I'm, you know, this is, he could have saved us three chapters in Genesis. But Joseph said to them, it is as I said to you, you are spies. The pain that we carry also creates hoops that we expect others to jump through before we to, to, to make them pay for what they have done. Why is it that Joseph kept insisting that somehow somebody had to go to jail? That somehow somebody had to stay back and be in prison. Somehow, somebody had to be in slavery. Somehow, somebody had to pay for what he had gone through. Yes, Joseph was a great man of God. This isn't about being godly. It's not about being right with God. It's not about being used of God. This is, we're talking about just how things work. 
And all of us can understand this. And so we read verses 15 to 20. By this you shall be tested. By the life of Pharaoh you shall not go from this place. Unless your youngest brother comes here. Uh, you guys are going to have to go back and talk to dad. And have dad send Benjamin. And Joseph already knew that was a no-go. He knew his dad. He knew Benjamin. He knew the relationship. He knew if he had been taken out. Who would be the next favorite? Benjamin. And so he gives him some hoops to jump through through verse 20. But this test had an even bigger purpose. And the purpose was to bring Benjamin to Joseph. Remember, there were 12 brothers. Nine had sold him into slavery. The other one didn't do anything Judah didn't do anything to stop it. So there were 10 who had been guilty in what happened to Joseph. Benjamin was the only one who was not. He didn't know. Joseph didn't know how his father might be doing if he was dead or alive. He didn't know what, what, what to think about how his father would respond if he would discover that he was alive and how his brothers would spin it and so many other things. But there was one. And that whole mess. And all of those relationships that had been destroyed, there was one, Benjamin, that he wanted to connect with. Benjamin was the good one. Benjamin was his full brother. Benjamin was the one who had not caused that pain. Interestingly, the shadow of their sin against Joseph, became the brother's explanation for why things did not go as they hoped. And Joseph set that out before them, that they needed to bring Benjamin along the next time they would come. That there would be, that, that there was a, a penalty, imprisonment, and you can read that story. It's, it just seems repetitive because he does this several times. I want to jump down here to verse 21. Because they said to one another, In truth, we are guilty concerning our brother in that we saw the distress of his soul when he begged us and we did not listen. That is why this distress has come upon us. Every time something didn't go well. Guess what their answer was for not going well? Every time something didn't go well for their brothers, for these ten brothers. Well, I guess we're paying for Joseph. I guess this is our lot. That's we, Because of what we did to Joseph, this is what happens. And that became their explanation for everything that went wrong in their lives. Think about that. And Reuben answered them, Did I not tell you not to sin against the boy? And you did not listen? And now here comes a reckoning for his blood. You see, they weren't even in agreement in the secret. Judah, of course, would have had a different take on this as well. And they did not agree on the secret, the way they were keeping the secret. But they had to keep the secret because otherwise they would have all been exposed. An unforgettable event. Selling their teenage brother to slave traders, watching him bound and taken down the road, hearing him pleading with them to help him until they were no longer able to hear his voice or see the carriage. 
That's a picture of that engraved in the brains. Broken relationships leave certain pictures engraved in our minds. It becomes a shadow over everything we do, over what we decide, how we talk, how we uh, just, it's part of, this is just the way things work in this life. So we continue here in chapter 42, and I'm going to uh, cut through here a bit so that uh, we can um, close in time for the quizzers to get some lunch before they head out. The problem is that as they went back, it wasn't an easy thing going back and telling their dad, hey, dad, uh, we can go get more grain. All we have to do is, you know, we, one, one, another one of your sons is uh, in Egypt. They're, they're, they're holding him uh, hostage. Uh, you know, this, this is mean Number two to Pharaoh is just, uh, uh, I don't know what, what's going on with him, but he's keeping one brother back. And, 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 and the only way we can get this brother released and get more food is if we take Benjamin. That wasn't an easy thing to do. It wasn't an easy sell. It wasn't something that, that Jacob would have received gladly. He, he didn't. But we see that there's collateral damage in broken relationships. Now, the relationship between Joseph and Benjamin hadn't been broken. It just... Circumstances of life. There were still good feelings between them. Benjamin would have had good memories of Joseph and Joseph of Benjamin. And, and that would have been a relationship that would have been easy to restore. But lost relationships are the collateral damage of other broken relationships. Sometimes we try to isolate what's been broken, what's been done, where the pain is, and pretend like somehow it's just a, a small set of people that are affected by those broken relationships, but there's always collateral damage. And in this case, that part, that collateral damage included Benjamin, included their dad, Jacob. We read here in chapter 43, skipping right down here to 16 and 17. Finally, they bring... Benjamin. And when Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the steward of his house, bring the men into the house and slaughter an animal and make ready. For the men are to dine with me at noon. The man did as Joseph told him and brought the men into Joseph's house. Joseph's brothers were afraid. And we read this in verses 18 to 25. They were sure they were in trouble because the money that was replaced in their, had been replaced in their sacks the first time. They knew that, that all this stuff was coming out. And, and, and they expected that this would be another trap. Everything they did seemed to be a, a trap, another trap, another trap. And they kept walking into these traps. And they just knew that being invited into the number two in command in Egypt, into his house to eat, would be another trap. And that something really bad was going to happen to them. There wasn't anything good they could think about Egypt. And they expected this was a trap. In verse 18, they said that they may assault us and fall upon us to make us servants and seize our donkeys. But they had no other choice. They go up to the house and, and uh, uh, they bow down to the ground as fulfillment of one of Joseph's dreams. And we come down to verses 29 to 31. And here we see a sign as we read through that. A sign that maybe you're ready for restoration of broken relationships. You see, this has been back and forth with Joseph and his brothers. Back and forth between Joseph and how he's dealing with them. But there's something that happens in us that 
kind of like a, a, a breaking point where we're able to consider a restored relationship. That's when your emotion overcomes your pain. Now, think about this as we read this section. And he lifted up his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin. Joseph sees Benjamin after all these years. Benjamin, who he had nothing against. Benjamin, who was a one that he really didn't want to have a relationship with. But surrounded by the other brothers that were wanting to protect Benjamin from Joseph. Unknowing that Joseph was his brother. And he lifted up his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son. And said, is this your youngest brother of whom you spoke to me? God be gracious to you, my son. Then Joseph hurried out. For his compassion grew warm for his brother. Not his brothers. His brother, the one, Benjamin. And this is a start. It's not just done and everything's taken care of. But there's a crack. There is an emotion Joseph wasn't expecting. And he sought a place to weep. And he entered his chamber and wept there. And he washed his face and came out and controlling himself, said, serve the food. It wasn't until Joseph had that emotional reaction to seeing a brother he truly wanted a relationship with. A brother that the relationship had been lost, had been stolen because of the evil that was done to him. Because of the pain that all of this... uh, uh, had caused his brothers and him as well. And the emotion overcame the pain. Interesting, then we go into chapter 44 and we see that Joseph had a plan uh, to keep Benjamin back. That was his plan. He wanted Benjamin to come. He wanted to keep Benjamin there. He wanted Benjamin to stay in Egypt by himself with, with him, Joseph, and not have any of the other brothers around. None of the bad brothers. Get them out of here. I just want the good one. The one I want a relationship with. I only want a relationship with him. can't do that. You see, relationships are so interconnected that it doesn't matter who it is that you still would like a good relationship with. If that person's in the mix of the broken relationships, it's an all or nothing proposition. That's why it's so hard. If you can just pick and choose out of the Broken and lost relationships are ones that you want to reestablish and be able to keep a wall between everyone else. That'd be easy, but that's not the way it works. And Joseph, his plan to have Benjamin stay, to keep, keep him in Egypt, he kept trying that and trying that. Three times he tried that, and it just didn't pan out. come down to Genesis 45. They come back for food. And Joseph has them all together. And This is the end of 44. They're all together there. They've come back for food. They have Benjamin with them. Judah intervenes in the end of 44. Something he hadn't done for Joseph. 
mean, he had done that to keep him out, to keep him from getting killed and was thrown into a pit, but he hadn't intervened like this for Joseph, like he did for Benjamin. And I read this story, and I wonder if that did something for Joseph, seeing how Judah responded to his little brother. Seeing how perhaps at least Judah had changed, how there was something that was different with him. I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. At any rate, in 45, we see that for restoration to take place, somebody has to take the first step. And Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried, make everyone go out from me. So no one stayed with him. But Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud so the Egyptians heard it. And the household of Pharaoh heard it. The Bible doesn't tell us why Joseph took that step. Why? The pain was still there. His plans to restore relationship with Benjamin alone hadn't panned out. His brothers, Judah, seemed to have changed a little, but they were still pretty much the same. Why did he do that? Here's the thing I know. In broken relationships, somebody has to take the first step. And sometimes you have to take the first step and 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 take the first step. Multiple times. Sometimes it's easier to take another step and repeat those steps with people that the relationship is broken and, and they don't respond at all. Now with social media, it's easy to send uh, uh, brief messages back and forth. And the ones who don't respond... That's easier to let go than the ones who give a response, give a little hope, but aren't really changing, aren't really ready, aren't really going to do something in that broken relationship. But here Joseph takes the first step because there's seldom a moment when both are ready for that step. And Joseph said to his brothers, 45, 3 and 4, said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. They weren't ready for this. The last thing they wanted was to find Joseph in Egypt. That was their secret. That was their worst nightmare. That somehow he hadn't died, and they would run across him, and then they would have to deal with the fact of what they had done to Joseph. And of all things, he ends up being second in command in Egypt, oh my word, this did not cause the ten brothers to rejoice at the fact that, at, at the idea that maybe they had found their brother. Their reaction, remember the secret, now we're in a panic. And those who prayed among those probably were commending their families to the Lord. As far as they knew, that was the end of the line. They were The way that Joseph had treated them didn't give them any hope for anything positive to come out of this. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near and he said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. 
It helps to understand how God used the brokenness as we take this step. Because too often we spend all of our time under the shadow of a secret. Whatever that secret is. Whatever that secret has grown into. Because you give it some time and the secret that, that you carry in broken relationships usually doesn't have much to do with anything that really happened. God uses these broken, this brokenness. And as the way that God uses it, as we understand that, helps us to restore. Or at least take steps in restoring some relationships. And we read, and now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves, Joseph says, because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. And as he's saying this, even as Joseph is saying this, I am sure that he is reliving those hours when he is pleading with his brothers and being dragged away from them. He's reliving that in his mind. He's reliving that in his spirit. He's reliving that in his soul, but he's declaring what is true rather than wallowing any longer in, what's, in, in what happened. For the famine has been in, this, in the land these two years. And yet there are five years, and, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you for a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a Pharaoh to uh, a father to Pharaoh, the Lord and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. And he says, Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Be released. Be released. Because if you would not have done what you did, God's purpose would not have been fulfilled. I've gone back to that numerous times over the last 30 years. As I reached out to people that have chosen to break relationships, I've made that my attitude, my response. It doesn't change that which has been indelibly stamped in your brain about what happened. It doesn't change the pain that Joseph had when his brothers sold him into Egypt and they did nothing while he was begging them to help him. But it released his brothers. It released them to be able to relate, to respond. Their choice. At a level of restoration of relationship that they were open and ready for. Doesn't mean that they'll end up being Facebook friends. 
Although there's some that are. But I reached out to and I said, hey, you know, bless you. And the response, not necessarily being, I did you wrong, but, oh, wow, you're reaching out to me. And another step, I release you. Because without that, God would not have been able to fulfill a certain purpose. I've had two different kinds of responses on that one. And I just want to prepare you, honestly. As you take these kinds of steps, there are two responses. One is a thawing, a connecting together. That's a good outcome. The other is just a cold breaking off even worse than it was. When God restores relationships, this is, like I told you at the beginning, this is not a forgive and release. Make amends. Because what that does is it sets you free. And sometimes even as you take steps to restore relationships, that is all you'll get out of it. But that is something well worth taking on. However, it puts you in a place that if it's God's timing, and that's why we need to pray into this thing for God's timing, the other person may respond and be restored at some level. I want to tell you something. Even when the Joseph's brothers came to Egypt, the whole family moved to Egypt. That didn't make them close brothers. It didn't make that relationship heal it completely because Joseph was still their second coming. Joseph was still in charge. There was an element of pain in the ten. There was an element of pain in Joseph. Jacob, when he heard the story, would have had incredible pain. And if I read this correctly, it ultimately led to his death. like a bleak encouragement, doesn't it? But there are two things I want to encourage you with. As you assess broken relationships, ask the question, what is it that God was able to accomplish because of that person? Might have to think, might have to pray, might have to seek the Lord on this one. And it might not just be in you, it might be in the other person as well. What is it that God accomplished by that person? And if the pain is still there, how badly can I be free from it?
this morning. I'm just going to end with this. This morning, we thank you. That you are a God who loves us. You're a God that loves those who have broken their relationship with us. That you are a God that knows our secrets and knows their secrets. And that you are a God that loves us anyway. This morning, Lord, as we dwell on some of those painful memories from broken relationships, I pray, Lord, that you would speak into our spirit. you give us your perspective of what you accomplished out of that breaking, that you would heal the pain that we carry, that you would heal the pain that those that were previously important in our lives carry. And I pray in the name of Jesus. simply dismiss you I encourage you if you want to talk to do so as you go out but just keep it just keep it quiet in here I think it's a holy moment at Earth Street Pleasures you need to get your lunch um, just go quiet and quickly and uh, as we dismiss let's just hang out here as long as we want to and allow the Holy Spirit of God to speak to us. Have a good week.